0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. And the rest of you, you can go ahead and open your Bibles again over to Galatians. I know I told you last week, none of you believed me anyway, that, uh, so it's pretty much your fault. Uh, I told you last week that was the end of this series on freedom. It wasn't. Um, There were just some more things really we're going to cover or we're going to touch on a lot of the verses that we touched on last week. Uh, But that's because there were just some more things I felt like the Lord really wanted to give us out of these verses. So um, I'm going to go all the way back to chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 and uh, we'll read these verses again. And you've heard these, we've taught on these for a few weeks. But in this place it says, because you are. And that's such an important statement. The things we're, all of the things that we're going to talk about this morning are because we are. Because Jesus has already done something for us and in us he has Taken our sin, but He has poured Himself out. We are in Christ. We are no longer uh, just living separate from Him, waiting to see Him someday. We are in Him. He is in us. Uh, his life is in us. His we we have an assignment in this earth to do the same things that He did, and even greater things. His He sent His Spirit to dwell in us. This is who we are. So it starts out, because you are sons. And again, that word means adult children who are in partnership with the father's business. It's not a, a uh, specifically male uh, thing there. It is for men and women, all who are called, all who, are, uh, all who have given their lives to Jesus. Everybody falls into this category. It says, because you are sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. So we, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit in this earth. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So because of all that, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Now in past weeks, we went through all of those terms and and what they mean. Uh, And so you can go back and and pick some of that up. But again, I felt like we were supposed to emphasize again today what we're being told here and everything we're going to talk about today. It's because we are, because Christ has already done something, not because someday we will be. And many of us were raised with that idea. You give your life to Jesus and someday you go to heaven. You give your life to Jesus and someday you meet God. You you know, we, we were missing what the Lord has done in us and what we carry, okay? So because we are sons and we are heirs, we saw that this whole term adoption and heirs and all of that, it means that we have the exact same privileges and obligations that Jesus Christ himself has. We are a part of the family. He has equipped us to do and to be the same things that that he does. We're not him, but we are his uh, hands and feet, his representatives here on this earth. And it tells us that because of all that, we are no longer a slave. So our relationship with God is not based on obligation. It's not based on fear of retribution. It's not based on well. If I don't do the right things, if I don't do all the right things. God's gonna get me, okay? And so many people. We just heard Andrew Womack stood up and gave part of his testimony that I'd actually never heard before. That as a kid, that was his perception of relationship with God was I've just got to do all the right things. I gotta do. I gotta do. I gotta do. And he worked really hard at it until the Lord really got hold of his life and empowered him through grace to to live a different way. So we don't live by, we're not a slave. We don't live by fear of retribution. We live in sonship or partnership. Okay, Um, We have, as heirs, that means we have inherited what Jesus paid for. We have inherited what Jesus deserved. The relationship with the Father, all of that. We have inherited it. He paid for it. all right it's ours as a gift. So we looked at this uh I think it was I think the first time last week, might have been the week before Galatians chapter five verses thirteen and fourteen uh, and in this again, what we start talking about here is what does it mean that we are free? What does it mean that we are sons? What does it mean that we are heirs? How does it play itself out and so here in uh, Galatians 5, verses 13 and 14, Paul writes, For you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom. We, have, we started this on Galatians 5, one. We started this two months ago or more on Galatians 5, one that it is for freedom. It is for that specific purpose that Christ has made us free. He wants us to live in freedom, which doesn't mean anarchy. It doesn't mean lawlessness. The only time we're really free is when we're living in and by the Spirit of God and what he is He is doing on the inside of us. So he says, For you, brethren, we're indeed called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity, an excuse for selfishness. But through love you should serve one another here again whenever we see that in the scripture do not let your freedom be an incentive to the flesh do not let your freedom the fact that i'm free entice me to do the to to do the wrong thing entice me to let my flesh rule don't let that happen that means that turn that word let if we are to not let that means we are in control of that aspect. How we use our freedom. I, I said to you last week that there's kind of this message going around right now in our in our political arguments. You know that are ubiquitous. Uh, there's this idea going around that if if you're if you are strong on personal freedom, then you're selfish. Okay that is not true. That actually, to me, that statement says more about the heart of the speaker than it does about the truth. In other words, there's a good chance the person who holds that view actually uses their freedom selfishly. We can use freedom selfishly, and we've seen plenty of it. That's the flesh rising up. That's humanity. We do see that but that but that doesn't make freedom bad. That makes our use of freedom bad. And as Christians, we are responsible to keep our use of freedom in line with God's will. We use our freedom to access the Lord and to grow in him and to be filled with his strength and power and to go out and minister to people. That's how we are to use our freedom. We are not to let that freedom become an incentive to sin. To just, well, okay, I live under the grace of God. I don't live under law, so it doesn't matter what I do. That is not the message of the New Testament. The message of the New Testament is because we don't live under law, but we live under grace, there's tremendous power available to us through the grace of God and the presence of God in our life. We are free to come to Him. We talked earlier, we had that word about avoidance we are come we are free to come to him whenever we blow it whenever we sin whenever we've just drifted away we are free to come back to him and be reunited with him restored and go forward even stronger we're free to do that that's what freedom is for and god wants that kind of freedom for us we don't have to live just in the confines of trying to obey an outward restriction we've got the holy spirit on the inside of us so we are in charge of how we use our freedom. It is our responsibility. I believe we are uh, accountable for it. All right. So it says, don't let this be, and I'm just going to give the, you these definitions again. Some of you were here last week. Uh, it's good for all of us. Um, it says, don't let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh. So we started talking about that term flesh. And again, it comes from the Greek word sarx, S-A-R-X. It does not refer to the body. That's a different word in the Greek. It does refer to the physical being and the impulses and desires that the physical being carries. The term flesh most often signifies the part of us that is still susceptible to temptations. All right? We don't have to live our whole life susceptible to the same temptations that we were susceptible to when we got born again. Part of our growing in the Lord is that there are things, there are all kinds of things that I used to be tempted by. They don't even, I mean, they don't hold any appeal at all. I can look back now and go, why did I think that was fun? You know, and, and that's just something the Lord you know, has done on the inside. We just don't have the same appetites, the same passions, the same desires. It's so cool that God works in us by changing the desires of our heart. It's so awesome that that we get to live this life from the inside out. We have to give ourselves to him and to it and to that process. We have to yield. We have to repent. We have to obey. We have to do those things. But ultimately, God changes our hearts. And so I don't have to go around restraining myself from smoking dope every day. I don't have to go around restraining myself from... Uh, you know, whatever, cussing people out, stealing something, you know, whatever it is, I don't know, whatever it might be, I don't have to go around every day just restraining, restraining, restraining many of those things. I still steal stuff from people all the time, but you know, other things, just kidding. Um, Other things, God, you know, has, I don't have, I don't have any, I just don't have any desire for it anymore. And God has replaced whatever it was that was lacking in my life that maybe created that. It's it's just gone from the inside. So it's not hard. It's not hard to avoid those things anymore. I don't have any idea why I'm going to tell you this story. I don't think it has any spiritual significance at all. But since I brought up stealing, I can remember when we were kids, one of the things we used to do is we'd go to this place. This guy had a garage and and he would be replacing batteries i guess and he'd have these stacks of batteries out outside and we could get i think it was a dollar 50 for a battery down at the junkyard cuz they would get the stuff out of it and we could also get a six pack of beer for a dollar 50 so we would go and we would steal those batteries and take them and one night we go down there we'd be you know we'd get out of my little Volkswagen and Run out there and throw these batteries in. And my my mom had gotten me a brand new pair of jeans, and I was out stealing batteries one night. And uh, then she washed them apparently, and she comes back with them. I'd gotten battery acid all over the front of them; they were gone. She was hot. She was not happy with me. I didn't tell her how that happened. But anyway, so we would do this well, one night. Again, I don't think there's any spiritual significance to this story. Um, one night we're there and this friend of mine and I are loading these things into the VW. And we look over and the guy that owns the place is sitting there in his truck. He's sitting right there. We pull in beside him. Brilliant little thieves, you know, pull in beside him. He's sitting there in his truck and he was just laughing his head off. At us and it was a, and you know later talking to him it was like oh it was such a hassle for me to get rid of those batteries if you'd have just asked you could have had those batteries so if you can make something spiritual out of that story go ahead but I, my my point in it is I was an idiot and that's you know some of it has gotten better so anyway okay so let's move on so the flesh that was me acting in the flesh there. Um, yeah, flesh is, flesh is pretty stupid. The carnal mind is stupid. It really is. Uh, so a little more of this um, definition. Again, this word flesh, it describes in the New Testament, it's the physical part of man that carries its own set of ethical preferences and opinions your flesh. So it's more than just your, it's more than even just the passions of your body, the desire to, to eat too much, to, you know, whatever it might be. It's not, it is those things, but it's like, it's sort of the spiritual world behind that too. Your your body, and, and I can't, I don't understand all this. I know that we are spirit, we are soul, we are body. We have that, born, you know, now born again spirit on the inside of us who is supposed to be in charge. Your spirit with the Holy Spirit is supposed to rule and reign your being. And then we have the mind, the emotions, and the will that the Bible calls the soul. And that part of us is in the process of renewal. You know, It's being changed by the word and the spirit. And, and then there's the body that houses all of that. But the body itself, and I, the only thing I can figure out is that we are the creation of God. God has so much life. There's life in our body too, not just the ability to do this, you know, but but there is life. Our body carries this these ethical preferences, unethical preferences. A lot of times it has its own set of preferences and opinions and passions and appetites and desires. And they are still in conflict for the most part where we haven't disciplined that part of our life where we have not let the spirit be in charge, then those passions are, they will war with the spirit of God and what he's trying to do in you. In fact, again, another part of this, this is a definition of the word sarks. Whenever the flesh is allowed a place of authority that it wasn't designed to hold, that's the big thing. Your body's not supposed to be in charge of your life. It'll take you the wrong way and our, our unrenewed soul, the way that we think, the way that we choose, the, our emotions that, are, that have not yet lined up or been transformed or, or brought into, um, into line with the way God thinks, the, what God's will is, how God chooses, the parts that are not yet fully renewed, they too will lead you the wrong way. So that's why we have to have our spirit in charge of all this. And that's a a choice. That's a learning process that we have to make. So wherever the flesh is allowed, a place of authority that it was not designed to hold, a place of ascendancy above the spirit man, it becomes the seat of carnal, that means flesh ruled, appetites, desires, and passions that rebel against God and the rule of God. This is, this is just weird. by design. We're supposed to walk with our spirit man, filled with the Spirit of God, the rest of us being trained. The Bible says that our, our um, senses can be trained to line up with the, with the Holy Spirit. Our senses can be trained, but they have to be trained. So, so let's go on. Let's look at that. All right, and I know we went through some of this last week, but this is just this is some of the most basic foundational part of our Christian life. It is, it is this whole thing of the renewing of our minds, of getting all of this into line. Once we're born again, once we've given our life to Jesus Christ and invited him in to be our Lord and our Savior, we've received all that by uh, grace, through faith, then the rest of our life is spent in this process of having our minds renewed and changed to think like Him, our will conform to Him, uh, our our flesh coming under control, to where it's not just driving us to do things anymore. So in Romans chapter eight verses five through eight, and this is uh, I have the NIV up there for you this week. It says, "Those who live according to the sinful nature." Now, the NIV uses this term, and some of the other translations do too. Uh, sinful nature. It's the, it's the word sark's. It's the word flesh. I don't particularly like using that term uh, because then people can start to think they have two natures. They have a sinful nature and they have a godly nature and they're kind of equal, and the two are fighting. And I mean, there are even teachings out there like that. You no longer have the nature of sin on the inside of you if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. We still follow impulses. We still all sin from time to time, but it's not your nature. You now have the nature of God in you. You are, the Bible says, a new creation, a brand new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. That's talking about your spirit and the Holy Spirit living in it. All right. Your primary nature is not one. So when we sin, we're actually acting contrary to our real nature. All right. But nevertheless, the NIV uses this term sinful nature instead of flesh. So, so okay. I, I like the way a lot of this reads. I just always want you to remember that. It's not saying you have a sinful nature, there's nothing you can do about it. Those who live according to or in obedience to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. This is the point. Where is our mind set? Do we give place to, give ascendancy to continually what our flesh wants or the way we used to think or the way somebody else thinks that that doesn't know the lord but has influence in our life do we let that influence where is our mind set because the lord wants to work in us to where our thoughts become renewed to be just like his thoughts and we can that is a it's a progressive thing we can come to that place in our lives so they have their minds set on what the nature uh, what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit, this is a real key to living in accordance with the spirit. They have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man, which is carnal or flesh ruled mind, is death, but the mind controlled and again that means separation from God and everything that flows out of that all right that's what death means here the But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So those who are controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You notice it says the ones who allow their carnal mind, their old, unrenewed mind, to dominate the way that they live, the ones who are submitted to that carnal mind, It it says they cannot please God. It doesn't say they can't be Christians and live that way. Okay, so this is true for all of us. We're born again. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're born again. All right, your spirit has been made brand new. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Lord wants to work to to transform and renew the way that we think, the way that we choose, the emotions that we have. He wants to work through that salvation to work out through our whole being. But if we continue to keep our minds set and dominated by our old ways of thinking, our old ways of feeling, our old ways of choosing, we continue to let the appetites of our flesh override what the Spirit of God is doing, then we're not going to end up living a life that's pleasing to God. And to me, that's one of my prayers all the time is, I don't want to just live an acceptable life to God. I mean, that's good. I really want to, I want to do some, I want to live in a way that's pleasing to him. I honestly, I want to put a smile on his face. Not just laughter at, at what a little doofus running around stealing batteries, you know, but, uh, you know, I want, I want what comes out of my heart to be pleasing to him. And it isn't all the time. But that's, it's just a goal in life. It's like, Lord, I want you to be pleased. I want you to be pleased what we do in a church service. I want you to be pleased when i'm driving down the street and i get upset with traffic i'm so glad we don't live on the front range i'm just so glad every time we go there it's like just get me out of here but you know i i want what comes out of my life to be pleasing to him and it says if we keep our minds at the carnal mind the flesh ruled mind the unrenewed mind it it can't it cannot it says please god you know, the scripture tells us over in Hebrews that, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible for us to really, for, for genuine faith in God and a carnal mind, a, a mind dominated by old worldly thinking to coexist in our life. They don't coexist peacefully. In our life. And so faith loses out when we let that old carnal mind dominate in our life, that old carnal thinking, just worldly thinking. When we let that dominate, faith loses out. And then it's impossible to please God. Doesn't mean he's mad at you, doesn't mean he's going to strike you, doesn't mean any of that. It's just not pleasing to him. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 says, and again, I I know we looked at this last week, but I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to, controlled, and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings of the flesh. So, So again, when we, and I just want to give you a little list here of things that can help with that. But when we... We want to not gratify the cravings of the flesh. We don't want to live in the flesh. Well, the solution to that is not to keep trying to resist the flesh. The key to that is walk in the Spirit. The key to that is focus on God, on His Spirit, on His Word. Keep your mind and heart, the Bible says, keep it set on Him. Set your mind above Set your mind on the things of God. Set your mind on his principles. Keep your heart and mind set on him. That is how we become free from living under uh, the, the carnal mind or the appetites of the flesh. And so, you know, it says walk habitually in the spirit. And so I just want to give you a little list of things I think help with that is, We need to develop the ability to be continually attentive to the voice and impressions of the Spirit. Develop the ability on the inside of us to be continually sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's a matter of remembering throughout your day. I I believe fully in starting your day with time with God. Even, you know, we don't always have an hour. We don't even always have half an hour. But if you will set that as, as the, the norm in your life to have time with the Lord, with his word, maybe some worship, whatever it is, set that time to get connected with him in the morning. It'll change your whole day. It, it works. It always works. But then we need to, from that, learn, develop a habit of just throughout the day, remembering to be listening remembering to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's how we walk. He'll say things to you. He'll redirect things all day long into your life. He'll give you things to say. He will give you actions to take or not take. He will just walk along with you. And all of us are created with that ability. Every one of us, we just don't a lot of times have the habit of doing that. And so uh, it's just important for us to do that. Develop a listening ear and an obedient heart. And the way... Uh, We have worked on that in in the past. Is to just out of that morning time, we'll come and say, "Okay, Lord, I'm going to really, as I go about my day and I go about my work and everything, Lord, I'm going to. I want a part of me always listening. And if you even nudge me, or I think you nudge me, I'm going to do what I think you're saying to do. And if you'll start that with really small things." rather than really huge things where you can wreck your life, you will learn which nudges are from God and which weren't. And that's okay. You know, God sees your heart and he knows my heart is to be walking more closely with you, to be walking in your thoughts and your ways and your will and to be sensitive to what you're doing around me. And, and he will lead you and pretty soon you'll learn what that feels like on the inside. You'll learn... What's the Holy Spirit and, and what isn't? Next one, practice quiet intimacy. Practice quiet intimacy. I also put there affection, reverent listening. We just heard this again this week, but I've heard it for a long time from, really caught me and I, I don't know, sometime in the last six, eight months, maybe a year, I don't know. I, I heard or read or something Bill Johnson talking about that when he goes to bed at night, he just sets his affection on the Lord. And it's not, and he kind of explained that. I mean, I got it the first time, but he kind of explained it this time that he's not going into intercession. He's not doing a bunch of praying. He's, he's going to go to sleep, you know. But there's just this inward turn. And that's what I was kind of looking for this morning as we started the service. You can just do this inward turn where you just express your affection to God, receive his. It's just a, it's just a connection. That's a really dumb example. We have a cat that is the most people-oriented, affectionate cat we have ever had. And we used to have, we had two cats when he was a kitten. We had this older cat, but she'd always sleep down at the end of the bed, and so she didn't want him by her. So anyway, he ended up developing the habit of sleeping right up here by us. And, what, and he learned over the years, we don't want to be bugged all night long. We really don't need him clawing our faces, you know. He learned, though, that he wants to touch. And he wants to touch skin. He doesn't just want to touch the covers. He really wants to touch skin. And so he'll reach out and he'll just touch your face, you know. Or, or sometimes I'll pull, you know, expose his shoulder so he can, he can touch that shoulder. And then he'll be quiet. But he just wants to touch, and that's kind of—if that makes any sense to you—what. And I, I picked this up, and I and I've I haven't remembered to do it every single night, but I've done a lot. And I and I want to build this into my thing, is when I go to bed, I just want I just want to touch, and then you go to sleep. And, but it's a really it's it kind of teaches you there's quiet intimacy. There's during my day I can we 're all so busy, and we 've got every time we have a spare minute, then we pull up a screen you know and we see what everybody else is saying, and we you know and man, I, we were never really designed to live like this, and we were designed to be in touch with the whole world it didn 't go well at the ta- at the tower of Babel, and it 's not going well now uh, but so but there's this you know instead. It doesn't take much, but we've got to throughout our day develop this habit of just quiet intimacy, just quiet, I'm just gonna quiet my heart, quiet my mind, you know? And it doesn't take all that much to start to develop that habit in there, you know? And then then if we're hearing, you know, my next one, practice is presence and practice obedience to minor nudges, which I already explained to. I think that's the way to learn how to walk in big nudges is to start, being obedient to the little nudges, you know, the little things, he puts somebody, he just draws your focus to somebody, and so you pray for them or, or you you know you release something to them. Sometimes he has you go pray for them or, or see you know uh, talk to them, and sometimes that's all there is to it. But those little sensitive to his nudges, I think that's so important to us walking in the spirit and not gratifying the cravings and desires of the flesh. The flesh is really a tyrant. really is. can't believe I'm out of time, and I still have not gotten to the next verse that I've been trying to get to for weeks. Uh, I've got a couple more of these, and then we'll be done today. I don't know what this means. This is my notes. Allow Holy Spirit discernment. Oh, I know what this means. (laughs) Allow Holy Spirit discernment to guide you in what thoughts you give place to. What that means is there are thoughts that come that are from God, and there are thoughts that come that aren't from God. They aren't necessarily sinful thoughts, they aren't necessarily bad thoughts, but they're not His way of thinking. Another thing we heard this week that I thought was so good is that the renewed mind our mind being renovated to think the way God thinks for his word and his principles to just seem normal to us it's just the way we approach life the life it's the way we approach life uh it's this it's it's uh you know when your mind is renewed things that are impossible look totally totally normal things that are Uh, things that are, you know, uh, God may give you a desire, a vision for something that people would just say, oh, you can never do that. Oh yeah. No, you, you know, in your heart, totally possible because your mind's been renewed to just agree and, and to take hold of his word and his thoughts and his ways, giving, giving, and knowing that more will come back. It's just totally normal, you know? And, and the statement was made, and there again, I think that was Bill Johnson was saying that the renewed mind is the fruit of, repentance. It's the result of when we repent, that word means change your mind, change your thinking to agree with God. And then your behavior changes, but it really is about lining up your thinking with God. So there are thoughts that come that are from the Holy Spirit and thoughts that aren't. And we want the Holy Spirit in us to discern between those. The ones that bring peace and joy and agree with the word and they bring selflessness, and they bring those. Those are from the Spirit of God. And other ones are not. They're not necessarily sinful, but they're just not. And the Holy Spirit in you will bear witness to the one and put up a red flag to the other. And so we want to develop that. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh, we want to develop that ability to just know, you know, I don't even know exactly why, but that's not where God's going you know good thought but it's not where God's going so i'm going to give myself to this this one does that make sense to you yep. all right and and the last one is learn to actively reject thoughts ideas desires appetites that are not from God i think too often you know we might even make a little turn or something but we don't see ungodly thoughts and again they don't have to be sinful some of them are, but they're just the ways of the world. They're the ways of man. They're, they're things that are not God's desire. They don't look like Jesus in the way he approached things at all. Many of us were raised with those things. They're in us. And we need to learn as those come up and we recognize them as for what they are, we've got to reject them because they will, if you allow those, those thoughts that are coming from your flesh or your unrenewed mind and the thoughts that are coming from the spirit, if you allow those both to be kind of equal in your life, the scripture tells us you won't be free. You will stay stationary in this double-minded place. And instead, if you will Grab hold on purpose of what God is saying. Meditate it in your heart. Think about it. Write it down. Slap it on your windshield. Put it on your mirror. Get it in your heart. And reject. Say no to the thoughts that are not coming from God, you have to reject them. You can't toy with them. You can't play with them. You don't play with other kinds of poison. You don't, oh, I think I'll just sample a little of the rat poison. You know, I, I just, I don't think it'll really hurt me much. You know, my, my blood's not just gonna all start flowing through my body. It's just a little rat poison. We don't do that. I hope you don't do that. Uh, you know, we've got to reject Those things that the Spirit of God identifies. And again, it doesn't have to be evil. It doesn't have to be, it's just, you know what? Son, daughter, this is not where we're going. That's not how I think about it. It's not how I want you to interact in it. It's not where we're going. Here's what my word says. Grab the word, reject the other stuff. That's walking in the Spirit. And and through doing that, not resisting the flesh, but doing that, you will... Not fulfill those cravings and desires of the flesh, which is. You know, the, the carnal mind, this is the last thing I'm going to say. The Amplified Bible describes the carnal flesh-ruled mind and way of thinking as sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. And man, in Western culture, we value sense, reason, study, intellectual, fine, that's we are given those things. We aren't supposed to be dumb. We aren't supposed to be not reasoning, but we are supposed to. I told you this is the last thing I was gonna say. I'm still saying the same thing. We we are told in many places, there's there are terms used in the New Testament that say essentially they say add things up, calculate things, and come to this conclusion. And the conclusion is what God says. It's 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 a it's actually a financial or, or mathematical term that is used there. Add up all of this stuff, but come to this conclusion, okay? Because this is the way God says life works. This is what his truth says, so come to this conclusion. So we are supposed to reason, but we are supposed to reason with God, not opposed to God. Sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. That's how the Bible defines the carnal mind. Okay, did you get anything out of this? Let's stand up this morning and pray. <clears throat> Maybe next week we'll get over to Titus. Maybe we'll go somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Father, we, just, we want to focus in on you. And we want to, we know we gather so that to know you better and to be equipped to go out and do the work of the ministry you have given to every one of us. We truly are your hands, your feet, your mouth in our world. And Lord, we want whatever is streaming out of us to be streaming from you. And so Father this morning you've talked to us about these issues we embrace the things that you've spoke that you in particular what you Holy Spirit have impressed on us what's really connected with us Lord we grab those things because though that's your life to us and in us and Father as we go out of this place today Lord we know that we will be with people this week that need you and that need to know Jesus and they need to enter into life And they need, or or they may just need our encouragement. They may need healing for their bodies. Whatever it is, Lord, we make ourselves available to carry it out to them. And so we thank you for the opportunities you'll create this week. We thank you that as we go out into this world, we go out as lights in dark places. And uh, we just thank you for doing all of that in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to be dismissed on the count of three. We're going to say, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. Now, I just wanted to say, uh, if, if you want to come up for prayer, if you need prayer, um, don't, don't leave you know, sick or hurting or, or something. You know, There are people that will, I will, Karen will, we will pray for you and believe God with you. So, so don't go out with a bunch of pain or, or whatever. Uh, come up and get prayed for. All right, say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. You go out there and you be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.